as we enter into a time of prayer and acknowledge that life doesn't turn out like we planned. And the story that we have, we thought we were writing for ourselves is not, not the story that we're living. So we're going to sing a song. Um, and the words are, oh God, why are you silent? Acknowledging that we are going through difficult times. And so I invite you to sing together. And then Randy is going to lead us in a prayer by Bishop Charles Stevens. chaos and uncertainty, you are doing a new thing. Even when there is fear and trembling, you are doing a new thing. Even when everything is turned upside down and inside out, you are doing a new thing. Even when every single one of us has lost our last nerve, at least for a minute, you are doing a new thing. When we are weary, when we think again of what has been lost, when we mourn for what might happen, we must remember this. You are doing a new thing. Where you are, love is. All will be well, absolutely. But in the meantime, there are birth pangs. There is loss. There is the shadow of death and sometimes even death itself. Even from the grave, we sing, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. God, you are doing a new thing. We shall rejoice. We shall trust. We shall sing Alleluia. And we shall work hard, show up, be present to the pain and the grief so that we may also be present to the joy and the celebration. Amen.
this means it's my turn. Um, hello, everyone. So again, I'm Alex Rowan. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Um, and I am broadcasting live to you today from Westbrook, Maine. Um, my uh, job is that I'm a mental health counselor. Um, and I've worked in a lot of different settings, you know, teaching, running groups, providing individual therapy um, to a bunch of different populations. But I was thinking that if I have to summarize my job, I would say that I help people identify the rules that they live by, um, the, the things that they hold most dear, and then I help them discard those things and throw them out the window. Um, so why would that ever be helpful? And what does this have to do with the topic of mourning? Um, well, what I would like to talk about today uh, has to do with the illusion of control. So the idea that we're in greater control of life outcomes than we actually are and how this contributes to our suffering. Um, so obviously, oftentimes in life, there are situations where we're forced to grapple with the fact that we're not actually in complete control of our lives. I know this happens to me regularly when I um, decide that 10 minutes is surely enough time to commute to work and I get in the car and then the slowest driver in the world is in front of me. Um, and I realized that there's nothing I can do and I should have left earlier, but I didn't. And now I'm going to be late and everyone might think I'm a terrible person and my, what will happen in my life will be worthless. Oh my goodness. And I have to stop myself from going down that train of thought and realizing that there's nothing I can do. I'm not in control of this moment. I can just try my best and keep going and maybe next time leave a little bit earlier. Um, and so what I'd like to propose is that the deeply rooted yet often unhelpful stories that we tell ourselves about how the world works and about who we are at our cores, um, or at least how we should be, is what actually enhances our suffering during difficult life situations. Um, so let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, so one of the students that I work with, um, I'm in a special education program um, with, for students with behavioral challenges, um, and the goal is to avoid them being sent out of district because of their behaviors. Um, so one of my favorite students that I love working with um, tries to kill me on a daily basis. Um, in the past week, she's kicked and hit me probably several hundred times. Um, she hit me in the head with a desk and a chair. Um, and described several ways that she would like to kill me, including cooking me like a potato, um, but not a good potato, she said. It would be a plain baked potato. Um, 
so this student, um, I, I'll just call her Alicia, um, has had a lot of chaotic life circumstances. Um, and as a result of that, now finds it almost impossible to take direction from other people. And to do that, to take direction, it means you're giving up some of our control or, or some of her control. Um, and so the way that this plays out is when she's presented with some typical school expectation that involves coping with any sort of uncertainty, um, like doing a math worksheet, she tries to get control of the situation by telling herself and everyone else within listening room um, all sorts of unhelpful things. Um, like math is stupid, school is stupid, teachers only want to make me do stupid things, and I'm not the kind of person who listens to stupid things from stupid teachers. Um, and she'll say, you know, you should listen to me. And she really believes that she should be in control. Um, last week, uh, one of the statements she told me was, you can choose to follow me or you can choose to die. And she was really upset because I was asking her to do a math worksheet. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the math doesn't go away. Um, and the more desperately she tries to control the situation, the worse it seems that she feels. Um, and what generally happens is after some extended emotional outburst, which usually involves aggression, um, she's finally so exhausted that she actually does the math worksheet or whatever it was and realizes, oh, this was actually pretty easy and I did this in five minutes. And then things are a little bit better and we talk about how next time we can do things a little differently, um, but the cycle you know, has been, has been going on because she is just really wanting that control. Um, so we go through the cycle several times a week, which might seem a little exhausting uh, for everyone involved. Um, but last week I saw what I think is some progress. And, and what happened was that we were in the middle of discussing different coping skills. And all of a sudden she interrupted me and said, I am going to tell you a secret. And so I was like, okay. Um, and she told me, you know, sometimes, sometimes I slobber a little bit in my mouth and it gets in my milk. And so I was like, you know, thank you for telling me that. And I think everyone can relate to that sometimes. Um, and she said, don't tell my mom. And I, I assured her, I, you know, I wouldn't tell her mom and that slobbering in your mouth a little bit is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and, and so the reason why I saw that as progress is that she was doing something to be vulnerable and she was taking the risk of sharing this secret with me without knowing what the outcome would be. Um, and that that's often really scary for her, but she did it by herself. And so despite the existence of tedious math worksheets that they're still there, they didn't go away, she was prioritizing connection with me over attempted control of everything and doing something that she didn't know the, what the outcome would be. So let me read to you uh, from the book of Matthew. This is chapter six, verses 25 through 31. Do not be worried about the food and drink you need in order to stay alive or about clothes for your body. After all, isn't life worth more than food? And isn't the body worth more than clothes? Look at the birds. They do not plant seeds, gather a harvest, or put it in barns, yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than birds? Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? And why worry about clothes? Look how the wild flowers grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves, 
But I tell you that not even King Solomon with all his wealth had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass, grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, burned up in the oven. Won't he be all the more sure to clothe you? What little faith you have. So do not start worrying, where will my clothes come from or my drink or my clothes? These are, uh, your father in heaven knows that you need all these things. Instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you. And he will provide you with all these other things. So do not worry about tomorrow. It will have enough worries of its own. There is no need to add troubles, add to the troubles that each day brings. So this passage is particularly interesting to me um, because it seems to contradict many of the lessons I absorbed growing up in the church that I was raised in. Um, now, obviously, the, the Bible says many different things, and each part was written in a different historical context for different purposes. Uh, and since I only have a few more minutes, I'm not going to get into all that. But Despite the variety of lessons we can learn from scripture, um, the lessons that were most memorable to me as a child were basically rules about how the world works um, that kind of sounded like this. And, and these are examples from the book of Proverbs um, chapter six. Um, so just for example, being lazy will make you poor, but hard work will make you rich. Honest people are safe and secure, but the dishonest will be caught. The righteous get what they want, but the wicked will get what they fear most. Storms come and the wicked are blown away, but honest people are always safe. And so the lessons that I took from passages like that were that, one, that there's a clear and obvious difference between good and wicked people. Um, and two, if I just work hard enough, good things will happen. Um, and furthermore, if bad things happen, then... I guess that means that in the opinion of God, I'm obviously not trying hard enough and must deserve everything I got. Um, you know, as a mental health counselor, I've worked with many people struggling to come to terms with the fact that the world is often just not fair. Um, you know, sometimes life is really hard and there's no explanation or apparent reason. Um, you know, can we explain why people why, you know, someone, a good person might get a lightning diagnosis, or why someone might have to leave their country for some strange land to escape a war, um, or why a good friend might grapple with substance use disorder, or why a parent might lose a child, or why we might realize that we're not quite the ideal person that we always thought we should be. You know, are these people in these situations wicked people? Or did they not try hard enough to manifest positive outcomes? Or are they being tested? You know, I don't think so, but I don't know why these things happen. And I don't, I don't know that anyone does. And so you know, going back to the passage in Matthew, here we have a scenario where the so-called troubles of each day are acknowledged and where hardship exists regardless of all the planning and plotting and seed planting and worrying that we might do in order to try to gain some control over our life outcomes. So is Jesus saying that we literally should stop taking on responsibilities and stop planning for our futures? And do clothes and food really not matter? 
Um, so I'm no Bible scholar, so maybe someone more learned than I am can talk about the author's intentions here. Um, but what I take from all this is that regardless of our worrying and attempts to control, that life is going to be what it is. And if we're overly focusing on micromanaging material minutia, that this takes our focus away from what is truly important. Um, my father's favorite Bible passage um, was Matthew chapter 22, um, when the Pharisees are quizzing Jesus about the nuances of Jewish law, and they ask him about the greatest commandment, and they're probably expecting some kind of nuanced legal argument. And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And my dad said that he liked this because this passage represented to him what the essence of Christianity is really all about. And that all of the rest, you know, is in comparison minutia. You know, does it really matter what sort of food we eat or what our clothes look like? You know, does our wealth or our public image do anything to better the world? Do our accomplishments and qualifications and material goods really mean anything in the grand scheme of things? You know, and what might we miss out on if we overly focus on controlling specific outcomes and creating rules to micromanage each moment? Am I going to answer any of these questions before I run out of time? No, 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 and, and probably not. Um, you know, a book that is really important to me um, that has meant a lot through my, my life, the Tao Te Ching. Um, and there's a passage that stood out to me that relates to this idea of um, the futility of trying to control what we can't necessarily control. So um, I'm just gonna quickly read that. So if you rush into action, you will fail. If you hold on too tight, you will lose your grip. Therefore, the master lets things take their course and thus never fails. She doesn't hold on to things and never loses them. By pursuing your goals too relentlessly, you let them slip away. If you are as concerned about the outcome as you are about the beginning, then it is hard to do things wrong. The master seeks no possessions. She learns by unlearning. Thus, she is able to understand all things. This gives her the ability to help all of creation. So, although unfortunately, I don't have a final answer um, that allows us to avoid suffering, on the topic of how to reduce the worrying that enhances our suffering, and as Jesus said, only adds to the troubles that each day is already bringing, um, I have a possibility for consideration, um, which is the more that we can live in the world of what is, rather than trying to control the, what, what should be or what could be, the more likely we are to appreciate the ordinary joys of everyday life, rather than ignoring or discounting them. And this may sound like common sense, um, but I find it much easier said than done. Um, and this is something that I try to practice in my life with um, varying degrees of success. You know, accepting and living in the moment doesn't remove our hardship, but it opens up to the possibility of connection. 
it's really hard, if not impossible, to seek and find connection when we're consumed by our own worries and attempts to control every little thing. It's always difficult when circumstances remind us that we're not the sole author controlling each plot twist and outcome in our life story. Um, but I think it can be comforting to know that we are all connected in a cosmic process that is unfolding through time and space. And while we don't know the outcome or even the plot, that this story that we're each a piece of is a much more amazing story than any individual human. First, thank you so much for your message, Alex, and for the timely and important challenge that that presents to us. Um, I'm going to share a video from Eva Cook, who couldn't be here for, with us today, but still wanted to share this music. Um, it is not a video of her, it is just a picture. So I invite you all um, to just ponder the lyrics, um, and I hope that it is good and nourishing for your soul. It's okay to be sad It's alright to be lonely I won't always feel bad Somebody told me These feelings like weather They come and they go But today I felt better Cracks are beginning to spread. 
selesai